Hello and welcome to another episode of Real You Real Money. I'm so excited for you to be here and I'm equally as excited, possibly even more excited to tell you that the doors for plenty are now open. You can find out all the details in my show notes. But something you might not know about this podcast is we get a really similar amount of listens per episode, which tells me that we have this really beautiful, uh, loyal community. And you are all people, as you're listening to this, who are so welcome in plenty. It is, if you like what I'm saying here, it will absolutely be a good fit for you. So if you're interested in working with me in a much deeper way, in an ongoing community, you pay upfront for it or over a payment plan, and then you're in the community, we have weekly calls, I'm adding lives, there are workshops, all sorts of things, as well as the course content itself. I'd love to have you. I'd love to get to know you. If you would like to join us, and obviously you can just go to the show notes and do that, or if you'd rather, you can book a call with me, DM me on Instagram and let's chat about it. Enjoy today's episode. So today we're talking about what you want. Here's what I want you to know. No one, no one, and I feel really, really comfortable. I don't often like absolutes, but I'm good with this one. No one makes money for the sake of money. There is this like badge that some people wear where they say, I'm not motivated by money. And this is not a judgment, but there's a kind of an honour, a badge of honour in that. But even people, you know, we feel like it makes us more ethical and a better human not to be motivated by money, right? But even the people who are motivated by the numbers are often actually motivated by making the whole thing fun. When they say they're motivated by the number, it's it's a like, can I hit that? Can I do that? Is that possible for me? Let me try that number. And actually what you find is that a lot of those people have a very healthy relationship with goal setting in that they are detaching their worth from the goal itself. They're able to play with it and make it this kind of like, like, I wonder if I could hit that. Like if you're running and you're like, not that I do that, but if you're running, I imagine you might be like, I wonder if I could go that far. I wonder if I could do it in that time. It's a, it's a playful place for them. There is a definite detachment from the worthiness we attach to not being motivated by money, not pursuing money for the sake of money. People often say, I don't want money for the sake of money. Let me tell you, no one wants money for the sake of money. Even somebody who wants a big pile of money in their account, they want the big pile of money in their account because it makes them feel safe, wanted, validated, all sorts of different feelings. Even if there's someone, and these people absolutely exist, who doesn't spend it all, just hoards it, You know, people who hoard stuff in their houses are not doing it because they just dreamed of so much stuff around them. This is just the way I always wanted my home to look. That's not why. It's because of the feelings they attach to those things. And it's the same with money. Nobody is making money for money's sake. That is a myth. And so what we're talking about today is, why would you be making money? And that's not to say... While I think we can learn a lot from the people who do boldly own that they are motivated by money, I think there's a lot to learn from those people. Because, like I said, 
there's a detachment there. They're allowing the fun in. The reason I say that is because if they are in a space, and I want to acknowledge this as well, if they are somebody who's motivated by hitting those numbers because it validates who they are, because it gives them a sense of self, the issue with that is generally they'll be motivated by numbers until it doesn't work, at which point things will fall apart from the, for them because they don't have the, what's the word? Adaptability. They don't, they're not adaptable enough. Their sense of self is not strong enough to weather when things inevitably go wrong. And so what I'm talking about when I say those people who are really unapologetically about the numbers and that's working for them, that means they've got a really healthy relationship with failure. It means that they have a healthy sense of fun around money. And I'm being very black and white about this. There'll be like gray areas in there. But often those are the people we judge because we say that it's not ethical to be motivated by money. That's not okay. Well, let's look at that for a moment. Let's look at all the presumptions we are making around that. What if setting goals that way just works for me? What if it just works for you? Some of you might be that person that when you set a goal, a very like, I'd like to do that, it does work for you. That could be in your health. It could be in something you're making. It could be in your business. It could be to cook a certain amount of things in a year, like, you know, or in a month. There's all sorts of different ways we do that, but we make money mean something else. It's not okay to want money, right? Not being motivated by money, like I said, it doesn't make you any more ethical. Having said that, many of us are not motivated by numbers and that's fine as well. So this isn't me saying like, you have to do it this way. This is me saying, if that works for you, amazing. If it doesn't, and there'll be two reasons it doesn't work for you. And I really like want to make sure we talk about both. Number one, because you are too caught up in ideas that money has to be hard work and it has to be serious. Money has to be serious. I had a session with a one-to-one -one client. I do like these intensive days sometimes. And I had a session with somebody a few months ago and she's making really brilliant money and she's really good at it. She's really creative with it. It was a session where I felt I learned as much from being with her as I think she learned from me. And that's one of my favorite things with clients. It happens in plenty all the time. It happens in the group courses. Like it's why this work, or one of the many reasons this work is such a privilege. It's such an amazing thing for me. But what was interesting is she wanted to up her income and she really thought, and she sort of divulged this across the day, that I was going to change up how she did things. I was gonna make her take it really seriously. And we were going to have to make it boring. There was going to be spreadsheets and seriousness. And I was like, fun seems to be working for you. Why would we change that? And then what we really, and what we ended up doing, and this is the case in so many ways, what we ended up doing is looking at ways where she's holding herself back from what she knows works. Holding herself back and trying to make things serious because that's what you're meant to do. So the number one reason I would say that many of you are not motivated by numbers, many of us, not number one, no, one of the reasons that people are motivated, not motivated by numbers is because we're caught up and we're like, we take it too seriously. So we, make, we, we set a goal and if we don't hit it, we make that mean a lot of stuff about us. We really judge ourselves for it. 
We don't look at the business issues that come up. We go straight to where we're to blame, where we're rubbish, where we always fail at these things, where we can't do it, where we pick too big a goal anyway. What were we thinking? All of that stuff. Now, that's not me telling you that's wrong. That's human. It happens. It's, all that tells me is there's some work to do there. There's some work to release you to show up in, uh, with this at this stuff, aiming for these things in a way that actually works for you, for where you are. And the other reason that like labelling out or setting out what we want and working with it that way doesn't work is just because it doesn't work. <laughs> because something else works for you. Because you aren't particularly motivated by that style of doing things. And that's absolutely fine. In that case, the work is to find the thing that motivates you. Perhaps it's having a bigger impact. Perhaps it's the sort of things that people are going to experience once they work with you. Perhaps it's the process of creating what you create. Perhaps it's the connections you make. Perhaps it's more about numbers of sales as in people you impact. Maybe that works. Maybe it's a slight tweak and lots of other things that I've not mentioned. So number one, what you want can look lots of different ways. I would love for you all to start owning the numbers you want to make. I would love it. However, I also am not saying that's the only way to do it. The second thing we need to address is I'm talking about, oh, yeah, so find the thing you really want. That's the key. And for some of you, it's going to be a numbers thing and that's going to be fun. And for some of you, it's going to be all sorts of different things. But what if it's hard for us to find what we actually want? What if that's difficult in itself? And that wouldn't surprise me at all. If some of you, I know over and over again, I have sat down and felt, I think when we're burnt out, we can feel very disconnected from what we want. But actually in my six years of coaching, seven years of coaching, I've really noticed that women particularly find it hard to connect sometimes with what they even want. Part of that is because we don't see people. We don't grow up in the same way seeing people do this stuff. It didn't even exist when I was in my 20s. Some of you will be younger and you'll have seen it more. But for a lot of us, we didn't see this stuff. An online business wasn't an option in the same way or at all, really. Not in the way it is now. So there's that. There's that kind of like what is available to me. We have to make up in our head. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. The other thing I want to really look at is the fact that as women, we are very, very frequently, if not, well, I'm going to say from birth, we are taught to deny our desires. Two of the most basic desires are food and rest. How are those two working out for you in a misogynistic, capitalist, patriarchal society? How many of us struggle to rest? How many of us have been taught to deny the desire for food, for food from very young, from the magazines we read, from the women in our families, from the men in our families, to deny our desires for food in case it makes us too big. We'll become too much. If we eat all that we want, if we satiate our hunger, our normal, and let's be clear, people's hunger range, so different. I have one child that eats like a sparrow and one child that never stops eating. <laughs> 
never stops. And it's so interesting the way that we don't know how to trust. How many of you grew up with hearing the thing, if you're hungry, try drinking some water to see if you're really hungry. Maybe you're just thirsty. And so we don't learn to trust our instincts when it comes to food. And that can look a couple of ways. It can look like not eating enough and it can look like trying to get it all in as well, either way. And let's be clear, if we all ate the way that we want to eat, we would all be different sizes. <laughs> so <laughs> I get this bit gets me all like, <laughs> we're also taught to deny our sexuality in case we want it too much. What if we just want to have all the sex, all the orgasms, all the time, if we unleash it? And bear in mind, and I did see this on Call the Midwife, so this is not fact-checked. I tried to fact-check it, but I didn't have time to Google it because I just had this memory. I remember there being a, a story about a woman who was committed because she was sleeping around. And I'm sure that's based on some stuff. Someone else can give me some info on that, I'm sure. But there were times when... We, it was literally seen as madness, hysteria, all of those things. Let's compare that to how a man's desire for a woman's body is policed. I grew up in a very Christian family and went to lots of Christian like camps and stuff when I was younger. I would spend like whole summers at like missionary camps and things like that. And there was one that I went to where the girls weren't allowed to wear vests. And this was, some of you who've been in that, this world, this will absolutely, you'll know this. This was really common in the sort of Christian world I was in. I'm not saying it's all Christian kind of communities, but we weren't allowed to wear vests because our shoulders and kind of, you might see a bit of cleavage, especially, and this has been much more talked about now, certain bodies, you know, a friend of mine might wear a vest and you don't see much boob. If I wear a vest, I'm basically like you can see a lot of me all the time and we weren't allowed to wear vests because it was tempting to the boys now so we no discussion was had about how they should police their desires it was our job to police their desires by amending how we show up and obviously this is the same with don't wear a short skirt you were asking for it all of that sort of discussion is a similar part of it i remember saying to my dad even when i was a teenager and my mum and dad were not were not pro the way that a lot of this stuff was taught in at these camps. This was like separate to them. And I remember saying to my dad, so if, if the girls lock themselves away and hide all of us, the boys can say, oh, you know, I never have sexually inappropriate thoughts. But I was like, that's like, you know, locking yourself in a room and saying, oh, I've never had a sexually inappropriate thought because I've never seen this stuff out and about because I'm hiding from it. It's not dealing with the actual situation. In Plenty, we go into, we do a whole thing on desire and it is something that is littered, peppered, sprayed. <laughs> that sounds horrible, but it's throughout the course because the fact that you are here right now means you have a desire for more. Yes, it might also mean you have a sense that you could be making more, but you have a desire for it. It's there. You don't need to investigate why, doesn't matter, don't need to pathologize it. You have a desire for more and that really, really matters. If we were all following what we want, if we were all tapping into these innate desires we have, the world would be far more balanced, far more balanced. There are people currently operating, many people operating in spaces that are not theirs to be in, 
that they didn't have a desire for, that they had a societal conditioning to be in. And there are people not operating in spaces. And obviously those things are either side of the same kind of coin who should be in those spaces. They're, they're not in those spaces because they've been conditioned into one space. And that is true for everybody. However you show up, however you present to the world, however you present to yourself. So what this means is like men's desires within that context I was talking about, they are allowed to run rampant, completely unchecked. And the impact of that is two things. A lack of access to what we want, a lack of even knowing it, and a fear we will become the aggressor when we actually pursue our desires. And we see that enormously in money. Because frequently people will try to contain their desire for money in case they become a powerful asshole, <laughs> in case they become a Tory or somebody who a capitalist, whatever, or whatever, however it is that you would describe it, greedy, all these different ways that we say it. And so we try and hold in our desires because we have been taught right down to the basic ones like food, that our desires are wrong, that they're dirty that they're going to make us too much, that they're going to make us unacceptable. Do you see how that, and I know that's maybe a little bit of a complicated thing, I hope it's clear, but how those things are intersecting with each other and why it makes it, and this is why I say so much, and we talked about this yesterday, this is not your fault. When we lay this stuff out, one of my biggest issues with the coaching industry is when it makes out like it's ridiculous that you think a certain way. It's never ridiculous. It's often taking really good minds a lot of time and a lot of work to figure out why you feel this way. It's also not your fault that you haven't figured it out until you've heard someone like me or someone else say it. And this is partly as well where it comes down to the kind of sort of cost things we've talked about. Where it comes down to, and I have put this here, is also we've been we've been conditioned to put everyone's needs above our own and we only have so much capacity let me tell you as you step into acting on what you want you will have to let what other people want go that's going to have to happen and that can be sticky i trust you i absolutely know you are capable of holding that discomfort that difficulty you are far more capable than you know of holding those kinds of situations. But it, it, it does happen. As we start to make more money, we start to notice that people are triggered by it. Notice, perhaps, where some of you are being triggered by other people making more money. Knowing your desires are nothing to be scared of means you can unlock the money space that was meant for you. And this is something I haven't talked a lot about. And it's something that I'm really, really stepping into more and more. I've always thought it, and it's funny, isn't it? Like I'm pretty bold with what I say. I try to stay as close to what I think as possible. But sometimes in this work, really owning what you believe to be true in a complicated world is tricky, it's difficult. But I absolutely believe that for each and every one of you, for myself included, there is a money space we are meant to be in. Just like there are things that we do that we just slot into. You know, when I'm coaching in this way, I just slot into it. It feels amazing to me, particularly doing like videos and lives and talking and face-to-face -face client work. Those things feel, feel really, really amazing for me. 
And it's similar with money. There are amounts and you you get to shuffle up there, by the way. It doesn't have to be a big leap to it. It can be. But there are absolutely spaces we are meant for. So notice what you do want. You find your intrinsic want within that. But absolutely what can happen, and this is some of the work again we do in plenty, is we can believe we want something because we've been told we have to. So I definitely believe that about being a stay-at-home mum. Not that anyone told me I had to, but I think my combination of feeling like I wasn't ambitious and also my mum being a stay-at-home mum and all of those sorts of things, I thought I would really love being a mum and it just wasn't my space. I think all of us want to be safe. All of us want to feel secure. That makes perfect sense. It can look very different ways. Some of us, it feels safer to do, like for some people, it feels safer to be moving all the time. For me, that's the opposite of safety. So it can look lots of different ways, but I think we're all looking for that sort of thing in our own presentation of it. So start there, but then ask yourself, well, what does secure look like for me? Like I've just given you an example. One of my biggest desires is just owning a house that we just stay in. It's not very adventurous, but it feels like coming home to me. So the question today is, what do you want? And do you know how hard it was not to make a Spice Girls pun? so hard so hard I was like don't do it Ray there's no need to do it <laughs> you don't need to but yeah tell me what you want I'm not gonna go there tell me what you want god it's so hard and have a think think it through sit with it I've given you some of the tools and let me know and if you can't if you're at the stage where you can't say this out loud yet dm me tell me let me get excited about it. Let me witness it for you. If not me, DM someone else. Call someone. But get it out of your body. Get it out of sitting inside you, whirling around, feeling like it's not possible for you and start to speak it out. There might not be money. It might be that you like, wow, I really can't access the money bit. So don't beat yourself up about that. Just start somewhere. I'd love it if you can. I'd love it if you can, but you don't have to. If there's something else, because like for me, it will always be that house, buying that house. It's a certain size on a certain street. You know, it's a really specific thing. All right. Thank you everyone for being here. Bye bye.